0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Daniel. I have the pleasure of being on staff here. And uh, would you pray with me as we get started? Jesus, we just want to take a second again and remember that um, everything we do here means nothing apart from you. You are the only good thing um, that we could focus on. Uh, You are the best thing. You are the purpose of all creation. You're the source of life. And um, nothing else matters compared to you. And I just ask that as we get into your word, um, would you help us? I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit who um, helps us to understand your word, who uh, changes us from the inside out. Jesus, we don't wanna just go through the motions. We wanna really experience you We want to know you deeper, and um, man, I just am so thankful that we get to be together this morning, uh, that we get to set aside this time to fix our eyes on you, and uh, I just thank you so much that you love us, that as we walked in this morning, you weren't um, measuring us up based on how we were dressed or even how this last week went. Uh, Thank you that you are always excited to meet with us, to relate with us. Thank you for your love for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going through Luke, and uh, we are in chapter 8 today. Um, We're just going to jump in. We're going to see Jesus share a parable, and uh, and so it's going to be on the screen for you. And then also, if you want to open your Bibles again, Luke chapter eight, we're going to start in verse four, and we're going to read just verses four through eight here in the beginning. So let's jump in. And when a great crowd was gathered, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, "A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path." And was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you wish, um, but that's r- really what the crowd's got just then. That's it. Parable done. No explanation. That's it. And parables, Jesus used them a lot. But essentially, is a parable. A parable is a story that makes you go, uh, "What?" That's what it's supposed to do, and that's what this one for sure does for me too right we have the you know we have the kind of blessing that we get to read on and hear the explanation here in a second but for the crowd this is all they got it's like teaching done mic drop that's it that's all you get and for me it's again this is just another thing about Jesus that kind of on the surface level it just really confuses me like wait why, why this like on one hand, it makes sense, okay? I, I, I understand what he's doing on one hand because the people that he's talking to, this would be like really familiar stuff to them. This agrarian society they lived in, the you know, different kinds of soil and the seed and seeing that grow or not grow, they've seen that happen in their daily lives. So on one hand, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. This is gonna be real familiar to them. He's using stuff that they see and experience every day. But on the other hand, you know, he gets to the end of the parable, and you're like, "Okay, sweet, I understand that stuff. Like, I get it. Dirt, uh, I know dirt. Um, I've, you know, seeds. I get that. I've seen plants grow. I've seen, you know, uh, the plant in my office that died. Uh, you know, so I've seen all that stuff. Like, I get that. I get how this works. But still, at the end, I'm kind of like, Is there supposed to be a point? I'm not seeing it." And to me, I see things like this, these parables that Jesus is, that Jesus is using. And I'm like, um, do you need like a, some marketing help, Jesus? Because like, if you're trying to gain a following, this doesn't seem like the best way to do it. Like just leave people confused. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a good strategy to me. And even his disciples, like the guys, his, his guys, the closest people to him, they have no idea what's going on. And you know that like when they're with the crowd, right? Jesus is, is standing there, sitting there teaching the crowd and his disciples, you know, they're supposed to be his guys. So they're sitting there with Jesus and they're like, totally. Mmm, That's good. You know, they're, they're doing that. And then as after that's done, they're whispering to each other, like, hey man, did you get, did you get that? Uh, yeah, totally, totally. It was it was so good. And they're like, really? I cause I didn't get it. I, what is he talking about? Well, it's it was, you know, it's really deep. Uh, how do I how do I explain this? Uh, it was just really good stuff. Um, there's you know, 'cause like the seed is going, and but sometimes it doesn't work. And you know, it just meant so much to me. It's hard to put into words right now, you know? So anyway, his disciples, they have no idea what's going on. And, and so anyway, just, and this is kind of like a, a, a total rabbit trail, but if you ever need to feel encouraged about your uh, relationship with Jesus, just read the gospels and look at the disciples. Okay, these are, it, cause you read this stuff and it's like, okay, cool. If, if he can work with them, he can work with me, <laughs> right? And they're confused. So they ask him, verse nine, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, okay, because obviously they were like, uh, he said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others, they're in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. I read that, I'm like, What? So people are right there and you don't want them to understand what you're saying? Again, like, you know, that's, that's where if I was Jesus' disciple, I'd be like, okay, hold on. I know you're the son of God, <laughs> but I think I might have some advice for you. <laughs> Like, maybe let's not leave people confused. I mean, myself, like I'm, I'm regularly speaking to groups of people. You know, I know that you may leave here thinking that guy was kind of dumb, but I hope at least something gets through, right? I hope that you don't leave completely confused. That's not really my goal, although it may still happen, but it's not my goal. This is Jesus's goal, apparently, that seeing they would not see, and hearing they would not actually hear. It makes me ask why. Obviously there's something that I'm not getting on the surface here. Why is he being so cryptic? Why is he being so confusing? And we see here in, in this verse 10, he's like, hey, to you, to my disciples, I'll tell you. Like I'll, and he's, he's about to explain the parable. But for the crowds, it's supposed to be confusing. Why? What's the difference? What's the difference between a disciple and a crowd member? What's the difference? And there's probably more to it than this, but the thing that I think is most important for us to focus on this morning is the big difference between a disciple and a crowd member is relationship. Relationship. See, Jesus didn't come just to be a good teacher. And it's really easy to treat him that way. See, he is always, always pointing us to relationship with himself, not simply just knowing his teachings. Because it's easy, I mean, if you've been in church for any amount of time, it's easy to come on a Sunday morning, and I'm saying we, right? It's easy for us to come on a Sunday morning and I come in and I'm like, I hear a sermon and I'm like, oh, that was so good. Sweet. I know all that stuff now. And I can just leave it up here and it never has any real fruit in my life. See, we tend to do that with Jesus. We tend to intellectualize him and just make him, you know, Jesus has so much good stuff to say for my life and he does. But it was never supposed to just stay there. See, because if we put it in a different context, it begins to make more sense that it's not supposed to work like that. Like when me and my wife got married, Pastor Joe uh, did our wedding and we got to do premarital counseling with him and Mary Beth beforehand. And we got to learn a ton of great stuff about communication and resolving conflict and forgiveness and stuff like that. And I could have gone through that process and memorized everything, but then never put it into practice. And I might think that, wow, you know what? I can tell you the five principles of good communication or whatever. I don't even know if that's a thing. Uh, Obviously I haven't memorized it. Uh, I could tell you the five principles of good communication. I'm an amazing communicator. But my wife is like, uh, you never talk to me. And when I talk to you, you're definitely not listening. (laughs) So what's the point in memorizing it then? If it doesn't come out in relationship, if it's not a real part of my life, why would I memorize it? Just to feel good about myself? Probably. (laughs) See, I can think stuff about myself. I can say I'm a great communicator because I've memorized this thing, but it actually has no real bearing on my life. Nobody else experiences that for me, although I may be able to Talk a good game. I, when, it, when the rubber meets the road, there's no real relationship behind what I'm talking about. And so it's in relationship that truth really matters. It's in relationship that knowing things actually has to come out. And it's in relationship that those things are tested. And Jesus and when, like, whenever we see him, Jesus is like the greatest teacher of all time. And he's so good because he intimately knows the human heart. And so every time he teaches, it does exactly what he means it to do. So when he teaches this parable, it's not that he needs a better marketing team or a better outreach strategy. It's that he is intentionally making people go, what? What? because if people show up to this kind of thing and say, oh, sweet, I heard some stuff. I think I I have Jesus figured out. Well, then they've missed the whole point. See, Jesus would rather have you walk away confused than to walk away with an untrue version of who he is. He would rather have us walk away confused than to not actually have a relationship with him where we can work that out day by day. Let me just give you a piece of marriage advice. If you feel like you've figured your spouse out, you're probably not having a very fun time in marriage. Because the second we just take this other person for granted, we've stopped growing together. We've stopped listening. We've stopped making the adjustments that are necessary moment by moment to have a love relationship. And this is exactly what Jesus invites us to, to relate to him day after day after day after day. That he wouldn't just be a part of our life, but he would be the whole thing. And here's the encouragement today, is that although he will let you walk away confused... For those of us who have decided, you know what, I, I'm in relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit more, but if you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, if, you, if you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm all in with Jesus. Yeah, I have distractions. Yeah, there's stuff going on in my life. There's junk. But at the end of the day, I'm all in with Jesus. If that's you, let me just encourage you this morning that the, he is so excited to just open up the floodgates of understanding and revelation in your life that you would see him more clearly, know him more clearly. Okay, there's no secret sauce that you need to pour on or, you know, key that you got unlocked. It's not, it doesn't work like that with Jesus. He is so excited to be in relationship with you, but he will let us walk away confused if we wanna just make him into something that he's not. So let's continue. Verses 11 through 15, he explains the parable. He says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing, they fall away. we're going to just break this down real quick. Jesus is essentially the parable is about kind of four responses to the word of God. Or another way we could say it's like four responses to the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to save us. There's kind of four responses that Jesus highlights here. And I, I might be oversimplifying a little bit, but I've kind of just attached a statement or an attitude to each of these kinds of soil. So the first one he talks about is the, is the path soil. Okay, and I would say this attitude or this statement is, is a person who's kind of in the place of this just can't be true. They hear the good news and it's immediately, like it doesn't even get a chance to take root. It, it is immediately shot down with this can't be true. So he talks about how the, the dynamic here is that the devil comes and snatches it away. Now, just to be clear, you know we have an enemy. And the Bible says we don't struggle against flesh and blood, although that's often what we like to do because that's a lot more obvious and people make us mad. So I want to struggle against people. <laughs> but the reality is, is that we don't struggle against flesh and blood. We struggle against cosmic rulers and authorities, essentially the devil. Who, he doesn't care you know, who you vote for. He doesn't care what, how you stand on this issue or that issue, all these things that we get mad at each other about. He just wants us to be destroyed. He wants our lives to be hell, you know, like that's what he wants. And so if he, if he can do that, you know, he'll just, and this is what the devil does. He can't create anything. He can, all he can do is lie. That's all he can do. But it works pretty good when you got a gullible bunch of people like us. And it's been the case since the beginning, right? You think about Genesis in the garden that he, he doesn't bring any, new information or create this new thing, he kind of just shows up and is just like, hey, you know what? I don't think God's that good. I think God's kind of been holding out on you guys. And if you eat this fruit, he actually doesn't want you to do it because then you'll see what's right and wrong and you can decide for yourself. And it's just like that. It's been like that since like, you know, day whatever. I don't think that was day one, but day 30 or day, I don't know. But uh, anyway, (laughs) anyway, Ultimately, that's what he does. He just lies, deceives. Okay, so it's this place of deception. And again, we might have any number of objections to God's word and the way that we shoot it down kind of right off the bat. And it might be, you know, I don't think that God exists at all. Or it might be, I think there's probably... God out there, but I don't think that we can relate to him or it, or I don't think that it can really be known. So we kind of just need to do our own thing. Um, Or maybe it's, maybe it's the kind of thing it's a little more personal. Like, yeah, I, I actually think that God is real. I maybe even think the Bible is mostly true, but I just, I think I'm so bad. I could never relate to God. And so this can't be true. Maybe it's true for other people. It can't be true for me though. So whatever number of objections we might have, ultimately, I think it boils down to the same thing Adam and Eve were experiencing, where it's like, we just wanna be God. We wanna be God in our own lives. And what that looks like is, I want to choose what's right and wrong for me. I want to be the source of my own fulfillment. I want to figure that out myself. I want to find it for myself. I'm going to be the one that determines the course of my life and the kind of actions that I'm going to take and that kind of thing. I want to be God. I want to be in charge. And that's how many of us uh, feel or have felt in the past. Um, And that's kind of this first soil that, um, that Jesus is talking about is this attitude of that just can't be true. The next one, he talks about this rocky soil where the roots just don't go down very deep. So all of a sudden in a time of testing, this person maybe had initially heard the gospel and was like, this is amazing. This is gonna change my life. I love this. And then they they hit a time of testing, some difficulty comes up and it's like, what happened? And I think we can all probably to some level relate to this. And what I would say the attitude of this soil is, is that Jesus isn't fulfilling my dreams. And this is something that it's so easy to buy into because often the thing that first draws us to Jesus in the first place is, I feel that I have a need in my life. Even if I can't quite put my finger on it, I can't quite articulate it, I feel a need. And I think Jesus might be able to meet that need. Now, that's true. I guarantee you that is true. Everything that we need, everything that is most essential for our life is found in Jesus. But what can happen is we actually turn Jesus into a means to an end. That no longer is Jesus God and I go to God for my sufficiency, but Jesus, yeah, he's God, but he's really here to help my life go the way that I want it to go. And I know that maybe sounds harsh as I'm saying it, but the reality is we, like, I have felt this way. If you've been a Christian for any significant amount of time, you've probably felt this way to a certain level at a certain point in time. Because let's just use an example, right? Maybe I am just struggling really hard with like anxiety. And I just, it's just plaguing me day after day. And then I hear, you know what? Jesus can help you with anxiety. He says, bring your cares and concerns to me. You know, and it's like, wow, that sounds really good. (laughs) And so I bring my cares and my concerns and my anxieties. And maybe I do, maybe I experience a season of peace. But all of a sudden I start to notice like, oh man, I'm starting to feel anxious again. What's going on? And it gets a little more and it gets a little more and maybe it gets even worse than it was before. And now I'm in this place of like, what's going on? I thought this Jesus thing worked and I keep praying about it. I keep reading my Bible. I keep asking my small group to pray for me. And it seems like nothing is changing. I want to pull the eject cord. And again, if you haven't been in a season like that, I guarantee you that those things are coming. It's part of this, because here's the thing, is that if I keep Jesus in in the place of, he is the one who is supposed to fulfill my dreams for my life, he's gonna say, -uh nah, I'm gonna let you walk away confused. Because I might have dreams for my life, but Jesus's dreams are so much better that anything he allows in my life is pointing me to something better than I would probably choose for myself. Those of us who are parents innately understand this. With our children, we make them do things that aren't necessarily their dreams for their life. Your child maybe didn't want to eat all their broccoli. Your child maybe doesn't wanna wake up and go to school, but that's because their dreams for their life would lead them to a bad place. We know what's better. How much more do you think our father in heaven knows what's best for us? And will take us to a place, not just to keep us comfortable, but actually lead us through seasons of knowing him better. There is something about going through a season of intense suffering that shows us that his grace really is sufficient in our weakness. I mean, if you haven't been in a season of life yet where you have reached the end of yourself, it's coming. And I'm just telling you that Jesus does that intentionally to love you. Because comfort is not what we were made for. Relationship with Jesus is what we were made for. And we experience relationship with Jesus uniquely in suffering. Okay, I can't get more into it than that, but you could chew on that, okay? So that's the second one he talks about. The third one he talks about is kind of this thorny soil. And he talks about the cares, the concerns, you know, riches and pleasures and these kind of things of life spring up and they kind of choke out what has started. And it's almost the opposite side of the coin from the last attitude. Where the last one is, Jesus isn't fulfilling my dreams. This one says, I can actually, I think I can fulfill my dreams without Jesus. Things are actually so good right now and we've probably experienced this many of us where it sort of feels like life just kind of has hit a stride and maybe not every detail is perfect but i'm pretty comfortable i feel like i've kind of got this thing under control and so you know i don't feel like i really need jesus and maybe you even you've you've realized this like in a to, in a season of like ease and comfort where all of a sudden you just you stop and you're like I don't remember the last time I even said a simple prayer. Huh. And it's, we find ourselves in this place of self-sufficiency. And I've had many conversations with people I'm talking, where I'll be talking to them about kind of my relationship with Jesus and what that means to me. And they'll be like, yeah, I just don't feel like I need it. Like I'm, I'm already so busy. I, I don't feel like I need like an extra thing in my life. <laughs> And I'm usually like, yeah, no, you don't. Because what Jesus is supposed to be is the center of our lives. He's not a badge we wear. He's not a box we check. He is life. Relationship with him is life. And it's so easy to forget that in seasons of comfort. And so this is the thing about Jesus is that when we follow him, he so expertly leads us through seasons of blessing and hardship and often all kind of mixed together. And when we do it in relationship with him, we actually get to experience the fullness that he has for us. But in this, in this attitude of, I can fulfill my dreams without Jesus, really, we just miss the point that God is life. And, and again, if Jesus is just, in this attitude, if Jesus is just a means to an end, if I'm already on my way to the end, why would I need to add that? So you see in all these different um, attitudes Some similar threads. And this last one, when he talks about good soil, I'd say the attitude attached to that is simply this, that Jesus is all that I want. And I hope that's where you're at this morning. If not, Jesus can get you there. And here's the thing, is that he talks about how this this is the seed that bears fruit with patience or perseverance. Right? Because again, this is all about relationship with him. It's not just who understands this best. It's about who is actually in relationship with Jesus. It's a relational thing that he's talking about here. And just like any relationship, we don't just step into it. And it's like immediately like, wow, we know everything about each other and it's perfect. Like maybe you've had a friend who you connected with like really easily and it just, you were fast friends But you think about being friends for a year, two years, three years, you look back, you probably know that person way better than you did on day one. Same thing maybe in marriage, right? It's like, yeah, you committed to your spouse on day one, on your wedding day, but five years, 10 years, 15 years, 50 years later, you know them so much better, don't you? And it didn't just come easily either through patience and perseverance. But that fruit, is something that is so, so good. When you experience the fruit of deep relationship, and this is what Jesus is pointing us towards. Let's wrap it up here in the first, these last few verses here. We're gonna do 16 through 18. And Jesus kind of changes his example here. He says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those those who enter may see the light for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So Jesus is talking here about, ultimately he's talking about kind of the final judgment, that when we stand before God, you know, in front of other people, we can wear all kinds of masks, you know, on social media, we can kind of put any persona out there that we want, even even as we're person to person, you know, we we can kind of put on a front. But when you're standing in front of the one who has created you, every part of you, man, there is never a more vulnerable position than that. You have no more excuses. You can't, You know, you can't justify anything. He knows everything. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, so for those who thought they had something going on, maybe they thought they had this Jesus thing thing figured out, but they really had no relationship. Even that will be taken away because it wasn't real. It was just them trying to add something to their life to say, oh, this would be a good addition. This would look good on my trophy case. But he says, even the person with just like the smallest little mustard seed of faith, the tiniest, meagerest, little, tiny relationship, they're gonna get everything. Everything. And this is how it works with Jesus, right? Because all we are is some dirt. The way that scripture talks about it in another place, in Ephesians, it says that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. I don't know many people who seeing somebody, you know, dying on the side of the road say, Oh, I'll just figure it out. Yeah. You know, you see this guy, and he's like, obviously needs CPR, and you're like, get over it, bro. <laughs> Nobody does that. It makes no sense. What could a dead person do for themselves? Nothing. It says, but God who is rich in mercy. Right, It is his initiation with us. It's him that decided, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna throw seed down. Whether you've got a hard heart, whether you think that I'm just a means to an end, I'm gonna throw this seed down and give you an opportunity. And we get to respond to that. It's an amazing thing. And see, so he says, take care how you hear. All the soil's got the same seed. But the difference is in the attitude. We're invited to hear in a relational way, in a way that actually leads us to connect with Jesus and to start a relationship with him. So before we wrap up, I want to give us a moment just to ask, like I want everybody to ask yourself, what soil do you most relate to? And probably for many of us, we've, we could kind of see where we've related to maybe each of these at different points in our life. But right now, where are you? And again, there's, there's no judgment, but it's important that we have a right view, a truthful view of where we're at. So which soil do you most relate to right now? And what attitude, maybe what statement kind of resonates with where you're at right now the most? No matter where you're at, here's an encouragement for all of us today that Jesus is able to till up the soil. That's just what he does. I mean, for any of us who are sitting in this room today who would say, you know what, Jesus really is all I want. You know what we probably wouldn't say about that? Yeah, I just worked really hard till I got there. (laughs) That's not how it works. We would say, man, Jesus was coming after me. He wouldn't leave me alone. I tried to be the path path man. (laughs) I was like, this can't be true. I've done this thing and this thing and this thing. I don't think any of this stuff applies to me. And Jesus is like, no, I forgive that. It's like, okay, but this season of my life is really hard. I don't know if I can stick with you. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to hold on to you. In other seasons, where it's like, I don't think I've even thought about Jesus in weeks. It's like, I've been thinking about you. He is able to till up the soil. And so let's wrap this up because I think these last couple of verses really drive home everything that Jesus has been getting at in this whole passage. Verses 19 through 21 says then his Jesus his mother and his brothers came to him but they could not reach him because of the crowd and he was told your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you but he answered them my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of god and do it so when we think about this sower who's planting seeds right it's the word of god he's throwing it out there what is he growing What is he growing? Jesus is growing a family. That's what he's doing. Again, it's all about relationship with him. And here's the thing is that this is what the church is supposed to be. Not just a group of people who agree on some theological points and form a club. Right? The church is a group of people who come from all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different ethnicities, all sorts of different, like you name it, different by every measure except one that they have a relationship with Jesus. And it's because of that relationship with Jesus that here in the church, we become brothers and sisters. It's not a club. It's not this thing that you can be in or out of based on, oh, well, you look like this or you think like this or whatever. It is all about... People coming together under a relationship with Jesus, where he is our God, he is our King. And then we become brothers and sisters in Christ. See, it's so much deeper than we often think, but this is what Jesus is after. A group of people who are just in love with him. Not because they're A-listers. I mean, look at the people that Jesus chose to be his disciples. They weren't the cream of the crop. They were the guys that didn't get picked, right? Like some redneck fishermen dudes. He picked them. Tax collector man, traitor to his country and his people. Jesus picked him. And my guess is if you're listening this morning, Jesus is picking you too. And see, it's not us who makes it happen, right? All we can do is just be dirt. He's the one who scatters the seed. He's the one who makes it grow. And so we just say, Jesus, I need you. I want a relationship with you. And here's the beautiful thing is that there's no, like I said, there's no secret sauce. There's no magic, you know, stuff that you need to do ahead of time. He says, ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It's that simple. He says in John 17 that eternal life is to know the Father and Jesus Christ who he sent. That's what it really means to do the word. That's what it means to hear the word and do it. It's to respond to Jesus and allow him to work his truth into every area of our lives. So let's pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up. But yeah, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you have done all the things that we couldn't do for ourselves. And we just ask this morning that you would continue to transform us. We want to be, uh, we want to reflect you more. And and even as a local church here in these these communities, God, we want to uh, reflect you well. We want to love each other like family, but also God, we want to, uh, first of all, respond to you. And so God, I, I know in a room like this, there's people that are all over the place. And um, and even as we look at these different attitudes and, and positions and types of soil, God, we, we know that we have people that are all over the place. And I just I just pray for those who maybe would want to respond to you this morning to start relationship with you. God, I ask that you would Just just pour out uh, a revelation of your love. And so for anyone in the room, if if that's something that you're thinking about doing today, if you're kind of like, man, I I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one. Then all you have to do is just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Would you save me? And then you can just thank him. You can thank him that he does. He completely forgives. You can thank him that he, uh, he will give you his Holy Spirit right away as his promise seal that he will complete what he, what he promised and complete what he started. You can thank him for those things. There's no magic words, but you can just express your heart to Jesus and just ask him to, to, to come in. Jesus, we ask that that we would uh, continue to be the kind of place where, um, you would just continue to humble us. And, um, that as we have any kind of opportunities or influence with people in our communities or in our lives, that they would not get this hotty toddy religious, religious stuff from us, but they would see people who have real relationship with Jesus, who are deeply aware of the fact that we did nothing to deserve it, that we would be people who are just trophies of your grace, evidence of your power. And God, we ask that we would um, just, just continue to grow to look more like you to the people around us. Thank you so much for the way you love us. Thank you for the way you're pursuing us. Thank you that for every single person that's uh, listening to this right now. God, we know that you are pursuing them. You're drawing us to yourself. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship together.